Bone Ditch by Ian Bird. Second Gobbit. Bang. They stopped what they were doing when the telephone rang. For Christ's sake, said Michael, don't answer it. She laughed and picked it up anyway. Yeah? Michael rolled off her and lit a cigarette. Wait, what? He liked her. It was nice to like someone this way. She made him feel confident, attractive. She made him feel like he was good at this. She was smarter than him and kinder, and that wasn't always good for him. But in bed, Michael felt that there were more important things in life. What, like a bomb? He sat up and stared at her. She raised her eyebrows at him and shrugged, genuinely confused. A little irritated to be interrupted, Michael thought. Have you called the police? Of course. It had to be Dove. Michael reached under the covers and stretched his fingers up Elliot's leg. He found what he was looking for. Ah, uh, mm. Elliot swatted him away and he lay back, laughing. She kicked him in the face, but gently and smiling. Christ, Dove, call the police and get the fire brigade and an ambulance there too. Don't be a dick. She stopped smiling and blinked over at him. He suddenly saw Michael in her face, looking at him. It's the middle of the night. I'm not coming out to look at a catastrophe. Just like him, just like Dove, always with drama, always leading them on with his own bullshit. Michael crossed his arms as Elliot ended the call. Well? Dove says he's seen something blow up down by the station. He's going to check it out when he wants us to meet him there. He wants you to go and meet him there. You have no idea how to get in contact with me. Oh, come on. No, you come on. We haven't had any time together for days and we've only got this because he went off on another epic look at me, don't look at me brood like yesterday. And whose fault is it that we don't spend any time alone together? Don't change the subject. He saw an explosion. Everything is always blowing up around him. Haven't you noticed? He lives in a fucking minefield and he's shit at dancing. She laughed. It looks cold out there. Don't make me go out alone. Everyone's alone. Later that night, he opened her door and tiptoed into her room. She was lying still, curled into a ball, but Michael could tell that she was awake. When she was asleep, she breathed like a little girl, but when she was awake, her breath was silent and invisible. Go away, she said. He walked over to her and slid her into her bed. He wrapped his arms around her. He knew that she liked that. She had told him that she had never been out with someone who had worked out before. You don't feel like a human being, she had laughed at him. Mm, talk to me about reps and sternocleidomastoids. No, she said just then. I don't want him to know that you're here. He's asleep already and I don't want to leave you on your own. Everyone's alone, she said. Don't be like that, he kissed her. She's been crying. She tasted like salt. She'd been orphaned just a couple of hours ago. The sun was starting to come up. It was almost 4.30. It was going to be a gorgeous day. Elliot was beautiful in the dawn. Sometimes he would look in on her in the morning before heading off on a run, or after coming home from Dove's study bedroom on campus. At night he could take charge. It was about impressing her, and that was easy. But first thing in the morning, she did something to him, something he couldn't predict. He was not sure that he altogether liked the effect, but he never resisted it. Her pale skin reflected that strange blue-orange light. Her skin was sleepy soft. She smelled differently. He didn't like it. Didn't like the fact that this girl, already smart and sophisticated in a way he couldn't predict or manoeuvre, could also be genuine and natural and beautiful before anything else in the world had begun yet. But she was an orphan now. She was still stained by the night before. She would be for a long time. He cupped her face and moved her legs apart with his foot. He kissed her. Knowing that she didn't like his breath first thing in the morning, he tasted dead in the morning, morning glory. 
She was wearing those stupid pyjamas that she only pretended were ironic, the kind of pyjamas that a parent buys for their kid. Michael pulled them off and fucked her. In the early morning sunshine of the first day after a terrible tragedy shared between friends that adored and cared for each other, it felt like love. But Michael wasn't fooled for a second. You can't fuck an orphan. That's not socially acceptable. I'm not fucking her because she's an orphan. It's not like I'm fucking Oliver Twist. You say stuff like that and it's like you're the one getting worked on. She's an English lit student, right? That should delight you. She is rubbing off on me a little, I guess. Michael and Stuart laughed. The older man finished drying himself off and pulled on his slacks and a t-shirt. He found his glasses and looked around the room. He was judging, Michael knew. Finally, he looked to the bed. Come on, get up. June will be here in about an hour. It is Sunday, Michael said. Most people take Sundays off. Having my kids spend the day is not part of my work week. Get up. Michael reluctantly staggered out of the bed and stretched in the late morning sunshine. He sniffed his armpits. Yes, exactly. Grab a shower and get dressed. There'll be coffee waiting in the kitchen. Michael came downstairs about ten minutes later. Stuart was sitting at the kitchen counter, reading the paper and drinking his coffee. His coffee was fair trade and the newspaper only had two columnists. He looked confident, at peace and grown up. Michael, on the other hand, was wearing boat shoes and an orange T-shirt. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world for your kid to know that you're gay. Thank you. That's simultaneously insightful and liberating and speaks to a world of acceptance and progression. It's not the gay thing, you simpleton. It's the 25 years younger thing. You don't think I've given my wife, ex-wife, enough reasons to take the piss? I thought you said you couldn't babysit last night. I'm not some twink, you know, Michael said. Sweetie, I know that. You're all the twinks. You don't have that much else going on. I didn't have you over for your opinions on Chechnya. Then why do you keep trying to improve me? Stuart laughed again. I'm not trying to improve you. I'm simply attempting to illuminate to you that the not exactly esoteric notion that dead parents aren't generally considered to be a sexual lubricant. Michael took the cup of coffee. You are trying to improve me. You okay? It was a small house, with neighbours all around and exceptionally close, but Stuart's home still felt comfortable and safe and completely his own. Even with the cost of maintaining two households, Stuart had managed to create a nest that didn't feel like a knock-off, knocking-shop, downsized compromise. Michael didn't know how he had managed it. His salary at the university couldn't have been that much, and June dominated so much of his week that he didn't have much time to invest in this second life. But it gave Michael hope, and it was, even to a degraded sybarite like him, something of an inspiration. Maybe his own life could look as deliberate as this, as crafted as this, from the outside. Maybe he could get what he really wanted as well. Do you really think I need that much work? Don't look sad. You're not some home improvement project, I promise. But when I was your age, I was about to lose Jimmy and Janice over the course of a fortnight. And 25 years later last night, you made me listen to someone called Gina G for half an hour. It is hard looking at you and not imagining a giant pit full of dead bones. But that's because I'm degraded, not you. They're my dead bones. They aren't yours. If I'm such a fucking child... No, 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 no. It's not that. It's not that, I promise. I would have rather liked, when I was your age, to have had a friend who was my age. I needed one, to be honest, and if I'd been that lucky, I probably wouldn't have made some of the mistakes I wound up making. Lovely, life-affirming mistakes with pony addictions and penchants for ice skating. I know I would have made all new ones, but that isn't the point. And the point isn't that I'm doing you a favour with the benefit of my advanced age and wisdom, I promise you. It's, if I'm being honest, it's that I also didn't get to have a friend like you when I was your age. It was just me on my own and I would have loved, I would have so loved, to have had that. It's very, very nice for me to have your kind of energy in my life. But it's sad that it took me 25 years to find. 
Like I said, it's my pit of old, dead bones. You're not that old. You know how I know that I'm that old? Because I can regard your lifestyle of artless fucking and appreciate it through the eyes of a life spent enjoying Erica Jong and Robert Mapplethorpe, but still shudder uncontrollably when I think of how you work out who you have Sunday lunch with. Michael laughed. You're really not that old, and it would have been nice if I'd have known you five years ago. I would have gone to prison five years ago. Dove says that they get everyone in the end. Ah, yes, Stuart smiled. Dove. And how does he feel about you and Elliot? Or about you and me? Michael shook his head. He doesn't know. We haven't said that we're exclusive or anything. There's a difference between not being exclusive and sleeping with a close friend behind their back. Now you sound old. There was a knock at the door and Stuart shrugged. What's the point of wisdom if you don't inflict it on the callow? We'll continue to discuss your higher moral reasoning at a later date, I'm sure. Here he opened wide the door. His daughter there and nothing more. Baby cakes, where's your mother? She said that she'd drop me while she parked the car. Said she wanted to give you time to put your trousers on. Hi, Michael. Berlin delicious. Is that a tattoo? What? Stuart almost jumped out of his skin. The girl laughed and pushed back her hair from her face to show them both better. Creeping out of her left eye, towards her hairline and down her cheek to her jawline, was the delicate copper outline of a coil of ivy. Between the finely drawn leaves dropped the occasional eyeball, like a pregnant peering berry. What the hell is that? Where the hell is your mother? Who did that to you? Your dad was just telling me how old he was. If you'd got here a couple of minutes ago, you could have saved his breath. You know how he gets out of breath. You'd know that better than me. Belinda! Don't sweat it, Dad. Mum knows all about it. It's only henna. Lots of us have it. And if lots of you got a venereal dis... Dad, gross. I just saw that exact design this morning, Michael said that night in the bar, 70 miles away. This time, the tattoo was definitely inked, and it reached out of the left eye socket, down his face and throat, and disappeared beneath his collar. The ivy then crawled out of his left sleeve and entwined his hand. Perhaps it was the drink, but all of the eyeballs seemed to be staring at Michael. Good for you. Michael didn't mention that the tattoo had been on a 14-year-old girl. So, is she rich? Michael frowned. Was he talking about Belinda? The girl whose parents were in the car crash. Is she rich now? Oh. Michael had forgotten all about Elliot. He felt a little shudder of shame, but shrugged it off. He'd been planning to take these couple of days off in London for ages, and she, she, she wouldn't want him to have cancelled for her sake. He'd be back Tuesday anyway. I think she is, actually, Michael said. The mum's this really expensive consultant for this massive firm in the city, and the dad's like an ambassador or something. He's always travelling. So she's going to be inheriting a lot. Michael remembered visiting Elliot's home over Christmas. It had been enormous, up half a mile of driveway, out in the middle of nowhere. Just the garage had been bigger than his entire childhood home. On New Year's Eve, the three friends had drunk imported beer in the adjoining heated swimming pool. Michael was amazed that he hadn't put two and two together before. This was going to change a few things, wasn't it? Just out of interest, how much has the Yank got? Dove had nothing. He lived out of a duffel bag. You're not a young man anymore, Mikey. You've got to start thinking about the future. Piss off. I'm serious. I met this guy last night, said he remembered you, said you'd been really hot a couple of years ago. Fuck you. Michael grabbed at him and dragged him out the back door of the bar. He started to undo his belt buckle. Get rich, stay young forever. He pulled open Michael's jeans and kissed him harder than he had to. The ivy leaves on his face rubbed against Michael's cheeks. Lots of us have it. Little Lord Fuckleroy. To be continued. Copyright Ian Bird, 2017.